0: The following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night. Late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help. And on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker, June Hunt. Well, June, I was going to start with a a song, but I'm not sure how you sing to an an entity, a a ministry. (laughs) It (laughs) is uh, our our 37th anniversary uh, for Hope for the Heart. And uh, so we, we uh, are celebrating that all this month. If people would like to give to the ministry to support that, and and maybe some multiple mm. of 37 would be interesting to do that. If they wanted to give, for example, $370 or $37 or whatever would would be appropriate for them. Uh, mm. If if they've been helped by the ministry here in any way, that uh, that would be great. The place to do that is hopefortheheart.org slash give hope. And uh, I was wondering, though, as we do think about an anniversary like this, of course, you always think back to beginnings, and I just wonder. Uh, in fact, I just asked you a moment ago. I, I I know some of the background story, but did did you ever think this is what you'd be doing? I mean, uh, did is this what you started out to do?
1: Uh, no, I mean I I never. Everything I've done, except for getting a music degree, um, in college, that's the only thing that I planned. <clears throat> and and so no, it was. I never thought about uh, radio. In fact, the person that first mentioned June, I think you need to be on radio, and I was very surprised. <clears throat> and the and the, because what happened was, um, I was interviewed on a radio broadcast. Um, I was a last minute sub, and the interviewer was a sub. And um, it was a national program, and it was an hour and something, maybe an hour and a half. And that cassette, this is back in Mm -hmm. 1986, the cassette got sent to whoever ordered it, and then that traveled. And somebody, you know, from Tennessee said, I really think you need to do radio, and I said, I don't feel called a radio. And Well, what if you were able to be with this audience, but people could hear you multiple places at the same time, so even though you're not in all those places physically, they could hear you. With They could hear your messages, and I just hadn't thought of that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I went back to several four men who had asked me to do television, because I said, well, I didn't feel called to do television, and um, asked them, is there a need? And each one of them said, yes. Uh, First of all, there's not a female. Well, there was one female uh, in Christian radio Mm -hmm. who was in um, Chicago uh, on the Moody broadcast, And she had a program and they said, well, she sometimes does recipes and Mm. things with children and uh, that sounded like like family oriented. And I said, well, I would not do a woman's program. And um, I instead of doing recipes, I do burnt offerings. (laughs) (laughs) And I I did say that I said, but. I would be interested if we could do practical application of truth from God's word. How does that impact then our lives? What, what, what is it that could impact us from a cultural standpoint, meaning where people are living? And um, that is what I would be interested in doing. Because I was teaching, I'd been teaching a Bible study for twelve years, but I always wanted the practical application for mm-hmm. living, and <clears throat> um, so and and so so really that's where it began.
0: Yeah. So we say that that hope for the heart. I mean, I always. Introduce us as uh, being a ministry of hope for the heart, as our program Hope in the Night. So that's the kind of the beginnings of the of the radio program. But Hope for the Heart existed, uh, if I if my math is right, about ten years before the the radio program. What was going on then?
1: Well, okay, we had a program called Hope for the Heart. Mm -hmm. It was on. That's it began as a radio broadcast, um, and it was it was doing. Issues of um, all the way from forgiveness, um, it, it, topics that that people deal with, and then in nine, that was that was the year eight uh, eighteen. No, it wasn't the eighteenth. I know. Okay, let me let me get my centuries right. right. It was nineteen eighty six, and then a, a couple, a few years later, two years later, we started. I started teaching a course called Counseling Through the Bible, which was a three-year course dealing with definitions, characteristics, causes, and solutions on 96 topics. It was six 16-week semesters. And what I did is I went to professional counselors and pastors. What do people come to you about? Hmm. And then we made this list, and we found most of the time there was no... There was no... Christian book, uh, no material on these topics. Um, I often quote, uh, say this, how could there not be something on childhood sexual abuse when one in three girls and one in five boys are victims of childhood sexual abuse? I mean, mean, we have to have that which really helps people uh, where they're living. And uh, so it was a challenge because we have scripture all the way through. And but we were we were doing we didn't have most of the time material on these topics, and yet um, it was hugely uh, appreciated on radio, uh, and we would have quite a response.
2: Jesus said, "The spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners." The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope.
0: Welcome back to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver. We want to help you, and we want to help you help others. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE. They're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'll be happy to help you uh, get access to God's hope through our resources and understand that, how God's Word applies to your situation, uh, what's going on in your life. So let us help you with that and call customer support. They'd be able able to recommend some resources for you. Their number again, 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. And as June mentioned, we do have resources among the 100 plus topics we have. We do have resources, and since, since she mentioned childhood sexual abuse, we have uh, that and our keys for a living called The Secret Storm. And if you'd like that information, just uh, talk to customer support again, 800 488 HOPE. Now, to speak with June about something going on in your life on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night, we'd welcome your call at 800 NIGHT 17. That's 800 N I G H T 17. And when you call, you'll just leave a message for us. We'll get back as soon as possible to talk to you about what questions you have and what what you'd like answered, what what you need direction on. So let us help you with that as well. The number is 800-917, and we'll talk to you about being on an upcoming Hope in the Night. That's 800-644-4817. Let's get to our caller for tonight. We welcome back to the program a caller listening on the BOT app uh, from her phone. It's a great way to access our program, and, uh, and uh, that's that's what she does. Uh, she lives in Tennessee. Tonight, we welcome back to the program, Anji.
1: Well, welcome back. We do. We're so glad you're with us. How can we help you?
4: Um, well, The first time I called you helped me so much with um, dealing with unforgiveness with my mother. Mm. Um, I did feel a great big chunk of unforgiveness kind of fall off and um, just kind of wanted to to get more insight on how to completely forgive because I still noticed Mm -hmm. a little bit of offense, I guess, there.
1: Is it that you continue to think about something that was deeply hurtful does it are you kind of uh, reviewing that in your mind multiple times or what what is actually happening when you said that are you are you believing that you did genuinely forgive her i do
4: and then i i did notice that when given the opportunity i did bring up um, what she had done in the past again, and I know when you genuinely forgive someone, you don't really hold on to those things anymore, and I could feel I was definitely still holding on to it.
1: What specifically is the hard part for you to forgive?
4: Um... I think it's her not feeling I think it's the 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 pride um, mm-hmm. maybe it's that I recognize it in myself too, and I don't like it, but the the level of needing to be important more important than anyone else at anyone else's expense. Um, is what really, I think that's really messing with me. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what anyone else needs as long as I'm center stage.
1: Hmm. When's the earliest time that you recognize that? Within her?
4: Um... I think when I was six.
1: Wow. What happened at age six?
4: Um that was the first pageant she made me do and I don't I I just remember not really being comfortable and it not mattering how I felt just as long as I did what I was told and
1: looked pretty. Hmm. Well, you had mentioned that <clears throat> in, the, in the past, didn't you, uh, that she yeah. really was very much caught up into beauty pageants, and yeah. at, at, what did you ever try to tell her about the beauty pageant world?
4: Um, I don't want to do it. Um, I'm uncomfortable. Please don't make me. Um, I cried, begged, and I just remember not being, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember not being seen, and I, I remember having dreams that I was screaming and no one could hear me. No matter how loud I yelled, I remember a lot of dreams like that for years. I was trying to tell people in my dreams like what was happening and trying to yell, but they couldn't hear me.
1: Mm. Wow. Well, clearly to have, to be forced to do something, and it sounds like, Um, it was very important because you had told me before that you were your mother's firstborn. Is that right? Uh And therefore, it's like she had designs on you. Now, did she, meaning designs for you, uh, sometimes parents can live it could be a father or a a mother could live vicariously wanting what they themselves wanted when they were a younger age is that what you think might have been going on
4: well wow, i never i never thought about that
1: Let me ask it Um, another way. Was she in beauty pageants herself?
4: No, she was never in a pageant. She was never out in front growing up, Mm -hmm. from what I recall.
1: Yeah. And so, therefore, if that's something that she saw, but as a child she did not have any coaching... Uh, prodding from her mother or whatever. It, um, and yet, it was a strong allure for her. Um, It could be something that she wanted but never attained. Does that make sense? Wow.
4: That makes so much sense. It makes sense in how she acts now. She's, she's, it makes so much sense. She's, wants to be the center of attention like the center stage she has to be seen she has to get the looks and the approval yeah man wow yeah
1: well it's not that it's that um pageants are wrong they certainly are not for everyone and um there can be pluses and minuses, uh, but what, what was clear to me, what you shared is you begged, you cried, you pleaded, and yet you said, I wasn't seen. That's what you just told me. It's like it didn't matter, as opposed to it being something that you would desire And that you would want to uh, see if this would be an avenue for your life. In other words, um, when children are growing up, and you know this, all children do not have the same bent. Um, I mean, I can just think about, you know, I had a brother and two younger sisters. The two younger sisters, one was an introvert, the other is an extrovert. And we've talked about that. Um, The introvert uh, would be drained with a lot of people, 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 people around. (laughs) <laughs> My yeah. other sister, she's energized <laughs> with people around. And that's one of the classic differences between introverts and extroverts. But um, God made us differently in terms of aptitudes, um, you know, or, or just certain natural things that certain children can do. Um, Some can read as children, and they don't ever forget what they've read. I mean, they, they can have a photographic memory. It's like almost taking a picture of a page that they read. Well, that's not me at all, at all. I had to study hard, and yet I knew students that they didn't have to study hardly at all so um my my point is we don't it, we are not just blank pages when we're born where just whatever we're exposed to then that's what we adapt to um uh, nope and and even you look at biblical characters you look at twins In the Bible, Esau and uh, Jacob—they were twins, so different. One loved the outdoors, was a hunter; the other loved, literally, cooking and um, being appreciating more domestic things. Uh, Not that, but both were males, and being twins, you know, you think, well. Why aren't they alike in every way? Well, God made us as children. Um, we would have different bents, different things that we could excel at. And um, unfortunately, what you've described, um, which hurts my heart for you, um, because it, it Sounds like it wasn't just well, Mom. I really don't want to do this. No, you, you, you cried. You pleaded, and yet um, it didn't seem to matter at that point. Now, let's let's think about. Um, in fact, I'll just ask you, what do you know about your mother, in terms of what her upbringing was like? Does she? Did she really talk with you about it? Many, many mothers, there are a lot of things they don't tell, they don't share. Some do. And sometimes, and I'll I'll explain why I even say that uh, when we come back, uh, because I had great difficulty with my father, and then I one day learned something I had no idea about, and it did Change my heart toward him.
5: We have an exciting opportunity to share with you to help bring light into one of the darkest areas of the country, into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. Rikers Island is home to 10,000 inmates and is known as one of the harshest prisons in the country. The prison chaplain told us that he was holding back tears because the inmates were so hungry and grateful to receive books filled with hope and truth. It was a direct answer to years of prayer, and the transformation was so great that they got a baptistry so that the inmates could be baptized. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash givehope.
6: June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart have an exciting new resource to encourage you and equip you to help others. It's called the Care and Counsel Library, and it's available at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. The Care and Library has 50 topics in 10 volumes with clear answers from God's Word and practical solutions to real-life issues. It is the culmination of decades of ministry from the compassionate, relevant guidance of June Hunt. This library includes volumes such as Grief and Loss, Abuse and Trauma, Depression and Suicide, and more. These are excellent training tools for counselors, life coaches, or anyone who wants to grow in biblical wisdom to address the real issues of life. Learn more and get the Care and Counsel Library at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. That's hopefortheheart.org slash ccl.
0: Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver. You're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of hope for the heart. We'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of our ministry. If you have any questions about tonight's topic, really any number of topics, there are over 100 keys for living sure to address a situation you might be going through. And we'd like to help you with that. Just call our customer support team. They'll be happy to recommend a resource for you, that's something that would help you to uh, understand what you're dealing with and, and what God's heart would be on it and some solutions for you there. And you can find that even on free resources. Resources We have online at hopefortheheart.org. If you go there, just uh, there's a drop-down menu that says free resources, and you can get the information there. If you'd like a fuller treatment of any particular thing that you're dealing with, or maybe you can pass it along to someone else who's dealing with a situation in their life, you can uh, certainly get the full keys for living there. Just uh, talk to customer support about that. The number is 800-488-HOPE. Uh, that's uh, anytime Monday through Friday, eight to five central time. And again, that's 800-488-4673. Well, getting back now to our conversation with Angie.
1: Well, Angie, I was going to mention one thing. One day, um, a, a man came to my door. He, he was the nephew. He was an adult, um, uh, much older than me, but he was the nephew of my father, and he said, um, "You know, your father used to when he was a boy spend nights at our house or sleep on a church pew. This was in Illinois. I had no idea anything about what he was talking about i uh, he uh, i said well i I did not know that." But I I really wasn't understanding what he was saying. Um, Finally, he said, well, his father, meaning my father's father, uh, his father would beat his mother, and the kids, my dad being one, would run and escape and try... uh, to get to our house and if they couldn't make it to our house in a, a poor area of Illinois, um, and he said, then they would sleep on a church pew. When I heard that, I said, I, I've never heard this before. And so later, I went to my brother. I said, are you aware of this? He said, no. And we knew this man was very trustworthy who told us. And by the way, my father was deceased at that point. And I asked my two sisters, had they heard this? They said no. I ended up asking members of his first family, a couple of them, meaning um, we were the third, his third family. But the point is, I remember. This, I remember thinking, what did dad ever tell me about his growing up years? I could not think of one thing. What did he ever say about his father? Not one word. That's very unnatural. Boys like to talk about their dads. They like to tell stories, even they could be bad stories or good stories. Does this make sense what I'm saying?
4: Yes, it makes a ton of sense.
1: Well, sometimes there are then parents who grow up, and if they want, they didn't have a certain reality that they wanted to have, and so they try to make a different reality with a son or a daughter. and that's what that word vicariously means they can try to get a like like it's not unusual for a a father some fathers will try to get their sons to be athletes specifically football or baseball but you know certain certain sports and they will almost, and sometimes you hear about certain parents when there will be home games, meaning games that are in their city, their town, and the parents get so angry that it embarrasses the the athletes, the, the children, the kids. Are you aware of that sometimes?
4: Yeah, yeah. So parents are more into it, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and therefore a lot of kids are trying to live the dream that the parent has, but they're not doing it for themselves because maybe they're not as bent um, athletically, muscularly, uh, you know, what and it does put huge pressure on kids especially when it's not their desire or or their their makeup how God has made them wow now, what do you know about your mom in terms of her growing up
4: um Oh, well, that was funny you asked that. My, her cousin called me, like, a while back and said, um, you don't get along with your mother, do you? And I said, not really, no. He said, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you something, and it was that, um she wasn't really liked by her aunts and uncles growing up and they made that known to her mm. and her mother wasn't wasn't around she was in a psychiatric hospital so she raised her brothers and sisters
1: mm. okay wow So her mother, your mother's mother, meaning your grandmother, was in a psychiatric condition that was uh, debilitating to her. Is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah, she didn't live with them.
1: Wow. So does it sound as though she was insecure?
4: Um, extremely, oh, gosh, oh, goodness.
1: Hmm. Oh, good. So, um, you know, the reason I'm saying this is because I remember when I found out that in regard to my dad, I had more compassion for him. Now, he could be mean. Um and he could be cruel toward my mom that that hurt, that that was my hardest part but when i learned that his dad was mean was you know a lot of times there's modeling how people like if if there's abuse of treatment whether it's verbal abuse or physical abuse Many times, that's what the kids learn. It's not healthy. It's not right. But it just can give us insight. And at times, it gives us the way to pray. You know, the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. This is Matthew 5, 44. In fact, it says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And I remember I was a new Christian. No, well, initially I wasn't even a Christian. <clears throat> I, was, I had, was just getting exposed to Christianity, and I was in high school. And I, I heard this scripture in a church that for the first time I was hearing scripture And it was love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And I thought, well, that's impossible. Nobody could love their enemy. I mean, that. I mean, that that must. And I thought, well, that must be some ideal, not reality. (laughs) But it's just some ideal. And and I didn't talk to anybody about it because see, I didn't talk. I mean, I hardly, I I certainly did not tell anything about my family because it was bizarre. The, the the point is, um, I I didn't know that there were different words in the Greek language, which this was written in. Initially, what we're reading is a translation from the Greek, but there in in Greek they have four different words for the word love. Really? Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, one of them um, is storge, S-D-O-R-G-E. That means natural human affection. It's like you go to a hospital, you see all these people in front of this window, and people are looking in this window and smiling and smiling. What do you think they're looking at at the hospital when you have a whole bunch of people... That are looking and smiling.
4: Babies.
1: Exactly. That's right. So we are drawn to babies. Natural human affection. Uh, Sometimes there's there's this saying, that's a baby only a mother could love. Have you ever heard that? I have. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) kind of funny, yeah. That's a baby only a mother could love. Meaning there's a natural human affection that we have. I think we have it for little kittens and little puppies, too, you know, things like that. But but the point is, uh, that's Storgate. This is, uh, the next is Eros, E-R-O-S, from which we get our English word erotic, but it just means passion. It means, and, and what I'm saying by passion, um it doesn't mean that it's sexual, even though it can be. Uh, but then then there's Phileo. There's a city in the United States that's called the City of Brotherly Love. Do you know which one that is?
4: Um, is that Philadelphia?
1: You got the nail on the head right there. That's hey. good. Hey! <laughs> yeah, okay. Philadelphia, that's the phileo part. Philadelphia, it's the, it's a city of brotherly love. It, it's the love of liking. The love of liking. And then there's agape, which is the highest form of love. It's A-G-A-P-E. Agape is, it's more... Devotion to do what's best in behalf of the other person. It's not emotion. It's devotion. I'm devoted to you to do whatever is in your best interest. I had that, by the way, for all four of them at my mom. For my mom, I had that natural human affection, a love between mother and child. Uh, I had. Uh, sometimes I just loved. I was passionate about, at times, being with her. Sometimes I just would smile, be so excited to be with her. Uh, But I loved being with her, I liked her.
2: Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope.
7: As we each solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions we can't answer. Usually they're little nagging questions, but sometimes they're larger. So large, in fact, the answer or even the question itself can have life-changing consequences. June Hunt believes the best answers to these tough questions come from God himself, and he's given us those answers in the Bible. For more than 20 years now, June has helped callers find these biblical answers and apply them to their lives. You can talk with June on her radio program, Hope in the Night, about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or another concern in your life. Call 800 17. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call now, 800-644-4817.
0: You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver. We'll get back to our caller in just a moment. If you have questions or concerns about our topics tonight on the program, just give our customer support team a call. They're at 800 488 hope Anytime Monday through Friday, 8-5 to 5 Central. They'll help you access the appropriate resources. their number 800 800- 488 4673. And I want to point out one of our keys for living that uh, we're talking on this topic tonight of forgiveness. It's called Releasing You is Freeing Me. And that and so many other titles are available by calling customer support at 800 488 HOPE. That's 800 488 4673. Now let's get back to our conversation with Anji. Well,
1: Anji, what is clear to me is. At times when you were growing up, in fact, a lot of times when you were growing up, I'm going to use the term, I think you felt, you you, you had said before uh, when we first called, when we first talked, that you felt manipulated and that you were manipulated many times and you had specific examples. It meant to me that you felt out of control, meaning your mother was controlling you and you didn't know what to do. Is that, am I correct about that?
4: Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Well, let me, let me give you a definition of manipulation. Manipulation is the art, I consider it an art, the art of controlling people by indirect unfair, or deceptive means, especially to their own advantage. Now, manipulation happens to those like you and me. I was manipulated a lot and I didn't know what to do. You've described that you have felt manipulated. But it happens to those who allow others to have excessive control over them. It's the control that God alone should have. Years ago, I heard somebody say, and I thought, no, that can't be true, that somebody cannot manipulate you unless you let them. When I heard that, I thought, no, no. At times, I didn't have a choice. I think you can identify with me on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The more I thought about it, I think I, that's how I felt. I had no choice. And I think when you're a child, you don't have a choice. But if we're talking about adults, we do have a choice. Now, where I'm, Hearing you is it's like there's some light bulbs have turned on in your mind about your mom. And huge light bulb. okay, I, I, let's consider your role. You told me the last time we talked that you've been a Christian for two years and that you are. About 41 years old, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, you've got to decide, how am I going to live the second half of my life? I know what it was like early on. It was painful. Um, You had a mother that didn't hear you. You didn't feel seen. You were put in this pageant world, and you said to me, I hated it. A- and and as you said at the time she would cry to get her way. You were feeling manipulated at that point, weren't you? Yes. Okay. So, for you to see... One thing that is going to be important. If light bulbs are being turned on and you're seeing some real painful things about your mother's upbringing, sometimes it's a matter of survival. Um, If... um, if your mother wasn't liked by aunts and uncles and your her own mother was had mental illness and wasn't even there to raise her, that's kind of a, that's pretty tough, isn't it?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like your mother didn't feel seen either. What do you think?
4: Oh my goodness! Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So, okay. So it's so it's like. Well, where do you go from here? Um, yeah. It's possible that it could be meaningful. For you to initiate on your own something like this, Mom, I would, I would like to ask you some questions about your growing up years. Like, what was it really like for you? Like, if you're uh, Angie, if you're, if you're just learning pretty, pretty recent about these things regarding your aunts and your uncles and, um, by the way, were you aware that her mother was, um, had mental illness and wasn't even raising your own mother? Were you aware of that?
4: Um, yeah, but in the different context um, I God delivered me from schizoaffective disorder um, mm-hmm. when he saved me and that was a version of what my grandmother dealt with so mm-hmm. I was kind of uh, I saw it from a, a long angle um, okay. I saw yeah it wasn't I wasn't seeing it right
1: well, in this case, um, do, you, do you feel your mother has, um, I'm going to ask, has there been a time that you know of where she has indicated that she's humbled her heart and prayed to receive Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior, or not Really?
4: not really she gets really annoyed
1: when i talk about jesus okay so there's a hole in her heart isn't there yeah now i'm going to tell you this <clears throat> i don't know why my my father said Christianity's a crutch uh she he said um I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. And he had all these women. It was just whatever. And I had even said, "I am sure my dad will never pray to receive Christ." I was, sh- I was absolutely sure. And yet, I'll just say that um, nine months before he died, um. I, I had tried before to present Jesus, and he one time, and uh, he said, "Go back and do your homework." <laughs> and I said, "Yes, sir." And but then this last time, that nine months before he died, he uh, I sought again one more time to present the plan of salvation, and he listened. And I said, Would you be willing to humble your heart and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And um, he said, Yes. And I can just tell you, I wasn't, I, I led him in that prayer, but I wasn't sure. And I went to my mother and I said, Mom, let me tell you what's happened. I don't know if this is real or not. Because I don't just assume that just because somebody prays a prayer that they've really received Jesus to allow him to take control. And she said, June, uh, three days ago, sitting on the front porch, a man was trying to present Jesus to your father. And he said, he cut him off and he said, If anybody's going to talk with me about spiritual things, it will be my daughter, June. I had no idea about that. And then here, it's just a few days later, and I flew in intentionally from out of state to talk with him because it was his birthday. And it was at night, late at night. Now, I want you to understand, my siblings said I was my dad's lightning rod. He would blame me for most things. He said, you're the cause of all problems in the family. So I want you to hear that I, we didn't start out because <laughs> I was trying to protect my mom. Does that make sense?
4: That makes so much sense.
1: Okay. So what I'm saying is it may be that you're the one who potentially could at some point later on uh, depending on what, how you develop the, your relationship, or what what happens, it may be. See, because to me, my father was arrogant; he was prideful. Um, it didn't matter what anybody else wanted. It it, it was total total dictatorship. And, I, you know, I didn't like him. I still don't like what he was, but I ended up having a type of love for Him uh, because I prayed for Him. By the way, I want to know, have you actually... Well, I'm just... This is... I'm going to give you a little project. Every time you think of your mother, would you be willing to pray for her? To pray for her heart? To be softened to the Lord? Just pray, pray that she'll have a changed life. Would you be willing to do that?
4: I would love to. I will start tonight.
1: Well, if you do that, that is biblical. That's Matthew 5, 44. Pray for those who persecute you. And you see, I, rem- I realized I'm not praying for my dad. I saw a scripture and I, at some point, it was in a bunch of scriptures, and I thought, huh, let me see these, because I wasn't raised with scripture. And all of a sudden, here's, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And all of a sudden, it was like a being hit in the head with a two by four. I thought, I've not prayed for my dad. And so I started praying for him you know what? It changed my heart. It changed my heart because my heart needed to be changed. So, I hear that you want to do what's right in God's sight. So, we can talk again about manipulation if you want.
0: We will send our keys for living on manipulation And uh, we will send that out to tonight's caller. We'll do that free of charge. That's because of your generous support of this ministry, the keys for living manipulation, cutting the strings that control. If you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash givehope. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And our materials and recent programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also find our programs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.